Hello, this is Fantastic Noise. In this edition, we are finding out about making true crime podcasts, speaking with Dan Maudsley from BBC Radio 5 Live, whose podcast series Paradise won Best True Crime Podcast in the 2020 British Podcast Awards. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks for your time and thank you for your ears. We have a real treat in this episode, which is ultimately a theme truly inspired by the journalism students I've worked with over the last couple of years. So many have enjoyed listening to and wanted to emulate Serial, the podcast that began in 2014 as a spin-off to the popular This American Life series. I've never personally created long-form crime-based podcast storytelling, so I spoke to someone who has, and who has done so very well. So I'm Dan Maudsley, I'm a BBC journalist at Five Live. And in 2019, Dan published the podcast series Paradise for BBC Sounds and Five Live. He describes it as... Part investigation, uh, part journey, but it it falls into the true crime category of podcasts. He was really generous with his time and gave some real insight into making true crime. After we hear from Dan, I will recommend something else to listen to and we will have the radio word of the week. But let's get to it. We'll hear a short clip from episode one of Paradise and then hear half an hour or so from the conversation with the man himself. Chris Farmer and Peter Frampton are no longer missing. They've been murdered. And there's only one suspect. Silas Dwayne Boston. To him, you know, it's it's no big deal to kill people. Now that we're free to talk, I would like to put the story out there. He's bragged about it. Everybody in our family. Dan, congratulations recently for your uh, British Podcast Award for for Best True Crime for Paradise. Uh, I guess it would be sensible to start with a a brief explanation of what Paradise is is all about. Yeah, so Paradise, uh, it's the story of... A young couple uh, from Manchester, uh, which is which is where I'm based. I, I'm five five based uh, in Salford, in Greater Manchester. Uh, in 1978, um, they went off around the world travelling. Uh, they just finished university in Birmingham. Chris had qualified as a, a doctor, and uh, his girlfriend Peter. Uh, P-E-T-A was uh, a, a lawyer. Um, she'd been at university in Birmingham. With him, they were childhood sweethearts, which is a you know sort of real tabloid phrase. But they they had known each other since they were children. They'd been an item since they were teenagers, and they'd they'd gone right the way through. And this was them now going off on an adventure. At the start of that of that becoming feasible uh, in the late seventies, so you know they they were doing something that was pretty new uh, back then. And they ended up in uh, in North America, travelling down through Mexico into Belize, where they met a guy called Silas Dwayne Boston and uh, went on his boat. He had a, a small sailing boat. He had his two sons with him. They were 12 and 13. And they'd been writing home regularly and uh, even sending 
cassette tapes back home, which is pretty incredible. And then those letters dried up um, and the cassette stopped. It became a initially a mystery for their families of trying to find out what had happened to them. But eventually uh, their bodies were found some months later. Uh, they'd been found in uh, the water in Guatemala, drowned, uh, but it was very clearly a murder because they were, they were hogtied and attached to weights. So it was a question of, of what happened to them. And the reason I came across the story uh, was that remarkably, uh, in December 2016, someone was arrested for their murders. Um, and that's where I first became involved. Ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's a great piece of storytelling and, and it's documenting Paradise, your journey, as much as the historical journey of, of Chris and Peter to as much, as much as anyone can document that. It's your story that really, uh, I guess, grabs the listener's attention. And then without giving too much away, there's a scene uh, where you're in a, a graveyard that works. You're joking. He's there. He's here. Uh, I, I was there in, in my mind with you. And, and that, that was fantastic yeah. audio. So how important, when you started making it, how important did you think it was to, you know, give so much of yourself to the project, to the listeners? I kind of think with these things, it's got to be organic. You can't set out saying, OK, well, this is going to be the journey of me uh, doing this. And, you know, I, then I will because it, well, for a start, it's just not genuine. Uh, but also you have no idea. <laughs> you know, you don't know where these things are going to take you. And initially, what grabbed me about this story was, yes, you know, it was a Manchester couple. Yes. An arrest after 38 years, was, which was extraordinary. But there were other just incredible elements to it which were uh, initially that the key witnesses were the suspect's sons, uh, the 12 and 13-year-old, uh, and uh, it's no plot spoiler to say that the suspect is the, the person who uh, owned the boat that they got onto. His sons were saying they saw him murder Chris and Peter in front of them when they were 12 and 13 on this boat. So, you know, incredible that they'd had to hold on to that all their lives. And why now? You know, why, why, we, why were they only just reporting this now? He was arrested, but there was also an aspect over here, which was that the, daughter, uh, the uh, sister of one of the victims, Penny Farmer, who actually became a, an integral part of the podcast, but didn't start off that way. That's, you know, and, and these things do evolve. She had played a part in cracking the cold case. You know, she, she'd been playing detective here. Uh, so it, it just started off as a remarkable story. You know, he's, this guy is arrested in California. He's some, you know, an old man in a nursing home and his kids are the ones who've reported him. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sister over here who's been, you know, spending years trying to crack the case. It, it, it started off as a remarkable story and, and it started off as, well, let's just tell that story. It's, you know, it's incredible to start with, but <laughs> no one would talk to us. <laughs> so... <laughs> I now know why no one would talk to us. It was because the FBI had uh, told everyone not to talk. So what happened was there was a huge initial flurry of coverage of this case because um, just the way the legal system works in the States when uh, Silas Dwayne Boston, the suspect, was arrested, it was a federal case. She 
paperwork and documents from the uh, from the relating to his arrest and the grand jury that takes place over there were then public documents. So there was plenty for newspapers to do. You know, there was photographs in there, all these details, and they devoted you know pages to it. It was a big story at the time, and then it just stopped because no one was talking. Um, and of course, for radio, you know, <laughs> documents uh, don't really do a great deal. So uh, it was sort of you know that was I was it was stalled at first, and it was only really by sticking at it. And not, you know, constantly thinking, what's happening with that case? You know, he should be coming up to trial by now. The next thing I actually heard about it was um, that Silas Dwayne Boston, who had been arrested and was awaiting trial, uh, was very ill. And not long after that, he died. And so for most part, that was the end of the story. You know, that he'd been arrested, and uh, but there was not going to be a trial because he just died. But for me... You know, he died with the answers to this story. He, he never went to trial, so we never heard really what was going on. You know, what what on earth happened? You know, and indeed whether he whether he did it. So I carried on, <laughs> and it was some months after that point that, through a journalist uh, who who was equally interested in the story out in the states, um, that I finally got in touch with one of those sons, and he spoke. We spoke for two and a half hours. Uh, I was able to record that call. And that was the start of the podcast. Yeah, and, and it's almost like it almost actually is the start of your podcast in terms of what we hear. It literally, I mean, well. you know, generally everything you hear on Paradise, the order in which you hear it is pretty much how it unfolded for us. You know, um, I'd love to say it was kind of, you know, that's a really sort of clever trick, but actually it's just, it makes everything so much easier. You know, if you are trying to lay out a very complicated story, actually the easiest way to present it is just how it came to you you know the initial story and then what happened from there you know how did it develop because trying to start a story with knowledge that you had somewhere in the middle and then you know it's it's very difficult to unpack a long tale like that uh, without just this was where we started and you know and here we went so you you have as one of your i guess it's fair to say key and main voices throughout the podcast series the son and, and the witness to to this killing you say you also get the the sister of one of the, the couple who who died later on in the podcast also throughout you, you mentioned this there are there are recordings of cassette tapes that were sent i think it was peter that sent cassettes back home. yeah uh, chris actually um oh, i mean chris, yeah sorry, yeah chris. No. yes the record i mean extraordinary that but again this was kind of one of the the story just kept revealing itself in so many layers it, it transpired that um chris's father was uh, worked for the bbc he'd been uh, he'd helped develop radar during the war at the end of the war he started working um with the bbc uh, uh sort of first of all you know on the engineering side uh, but became a, a bbc journalist and indeed set up the first television newsroom in in manchester you know just extraordinary kind of you know to have that sort of link but also it meant that he he could re- he, he recorded a phone call with the father of the suspect when he was trying to investigate things and he sort of passed on that understanding of music but technology as well to his son and uh, he yeah went uh, went around the world with a tape recorder 
uh, and was sending cassettes home, which, you know, in 1978, this is just ex- extraordinary. Or 1977, actually, when he when they left home, it was 78 when they were murdered. That is that is unheard of for that for that and, in and their time. Am I right in thinking it was Peter that wrote the letters back? Yeah, so we had Chris sending from. cassette ho- uh, tapes home, not, not as frequently uh, as Peter, who was... Uh, almost diarising everything. Um, she would send letters home regularly, but they would be in the form of a diary. She would write a, an account of that day, and then you know she would pick up the next day. And if she didn't get a chance to post that letter, there'd be another section sort of tabbed on. So, you know, you were getting a very clear account of their adventures up to the point um, when, of course, you know it, it took a very tragic turn. Do you think if you didn't have those cassette tape recordings and, and those letters, you would have gone through with, with making the podcast as such? Because there was so much content there. Mm. Um, do you think it would have worked without them? I mean, there are things that we didn't get. And, and one of them, uh, there were two brothers. You know, Vince is is the brother that we spoke to uh, and was incredible and, and gave us so much detail. But Russell Boston, his his brother we did speak to but never on record um and there are things you know that i know that he could have brought to the to the podcast you know but you can't kind of think about what you didn't get you know you have to to go with what you have and we we did have a terrific amount um and i think your question was you know if we hadn't got the tapes we hadn't got the letters uh, it would have been a different podcast but you know we started on the basis of that interview with vince um which for me was enough of a power you know it was an extraordinary interview and i would have been happy to have purely explored the son of a serial killer reporting you know his father 38 years later and then you know having some of the courage to do that his father actually dying before the trial ever takes place you know that on its set by itself is is a remarkable and, and rich story and these are all human stories really that we're telling at the end of the day so when you when you start these projects off, obviously you don't you don't know what you're going to get, but you do need to think about okay, what have I got to start with? Is it enough to to justify going forward? Could I make this into something? Because after that, everything else is a bonus. Everything else just makes the story richer or you know more interesting, more complicated. But you need to have something at the start that you you know will satisfy you in terms of well I can make a project out of this. Had you ever made any I guess documentary style programs before um, or like long form audio projects? And how difficult was it to convince the I guess the BBC to part with some budget to put towards such a project? Uh, I mean, my background is not in long form. You know, I'm a radio journalist. And, you know, long form, well, it's got shorter, I think, as uh, well, it, it seems to vary, to be honest. But um, when I was, you know, when I started out in radio, uh, you know, a three minute package on the, the Magic News at six was long form, you know. Mm. But in most cases, you know, a voice piece was, you know, 30 seconds or something like that. You know, a report might be 40 minutes, you know, 40 seconds a minute, something like that. So, it's a very different art, and and for much of my career, I was writing news summaries. Uh, you know, so that is very concise writing, short clips. You know, um, but actually, you know, those are all good skills. That sort of concision and just knowing how powerful five seconds of audio can be is extremely useful 
in creating long form because the danger of long form is you think, oh, well, I've got an hour and, you know, you just let things run and, you know, you don't, you're not tight. You're not, you don't think about every second of audio. But if you've got that background, then you bring that to long form. And I think it's a very valuable thing to have. In terms of, you know, how I've done documentary, I've done sort of the nearest thing I'd done was actually uh, a live uh, radio documentary. You could say it was um, over three hours, uh, but it's sort of uh, in between other bits of content uh, boiled down to about an hour. In the uh, we did a live reunion in the radio new in the um, radio theatre in London uh, with survivors of a, a cruise ship disaster, the Laconia disaster, um, which was in 1968. That started off from a text message to Five Live. Uh, the text message said, I think we were asking, you know, these text punts that you do in radio, and we'd asked, it was uh, for survival story. There was something, I can't, I think it was something about um, surviving. The nugget of the story was that someone, a uh, survival story in Everest, but I think we were being a bit more mundane, you know, I'd sort of survived my exams or something like that. And this text came through as, um, I survived the Laconia disaster in 1968. My father gave me his life jacket. Uh, I survived, he didn't. It's like a haiku or something in terms of, you yes. know, it's, gosh. Um, and from that uh, out came a story of three brothers who hadn't come to terms with the loss of their father and there were things unspoken between them and other survivors that, you know, they hadn't seen in in decades and, uh, you know, and, and individual stories, but all about this one disaster. And we brought them all together in the radio theatre it was, it was incredible. Um, and, you know, it was a tremendous amount of work, but it was just before, I mean, it wasn't before podcasts, but sure. it was before really certainly the BBC had perhaps got to grips with that style of, of podcast. And it, it would have made an incredible podcast, I think. Um, uh, but instead we did it as this live program, which was incredibly stressful, but unbelievable. <laughs> like, <laughs> incredible radio. So I'd got some form on kind of doing meteor things. <laughs> Uh, sure. It was certainly something I, you know, wanted to do, uh, but in terms of you know the BBC commissioning this, Five Live had sort of dipped its toe in here with uh, Beyond Reasonable Doubt, which Chris Warburton presented, and um, which was a bit of an experiment, but a successful one, and it meant that there was you know room to do something like that. I got this commissioned on the basis of that interview with with Vince. I turned that into a two and a half minute sort of trailer, as it was, and John O'Wall, who's now the He's now the controller of sounds. He was the controller of Five Live. Listened to that and went, okay, yeah, let's let's do this. But it was not let's go and you know spend twelve months making a podcast. It was okay. What do you want? You know, where do you take it next? Um, right, Stephen Nolan's got some space. You know, I think he'd be keen to go to America. Why don't you go out with him? Gather some audio, and we'll see where it goes. And that's that's the basis that we did the entire podcast on. It's not the basis that I've done subsequent ones on. It would be great sure. if it was, but um, yeah. We're all pleased the BBC did decide for that to go ahead and, and uh, I guess, allocate you time on the project as well. Just out of interest, did you carry on with the normal job uh, as well as the podcast? Yeah, or did it sort of- so I think it was around about the uh, sort of March time in, in 2018, I think, that uh, uh, Vince spoke to me. By the May, we were going out to the States uh, in you know to gather audio in earnest, uh, but I was still working the day job, as it were, uh, not quite as many, uh, quite as full time as I would be. But it was, you know, sort of swapping between the two uh, right up to the October 
And then I was pretty much full time from the October through to the end of the February of 2019, which is when it actually went out. In fact, well, through to the May, because that's that was when our final episode went out. So it was, yeah, a good chunk of it was was full time. But for <laughs> for quite a long time, I was juggling too. And uh, it's, it's quite hard to keep your head across day to day news and something like this. Dan, is true crime style storytelling best told in in podcast form do you think and and do you think paradise could have worked say like your live uh, radio program you described earlier like that's some something that could have gone out on radio how do you think like the relationship between true crime and podcast because there is a link like over the last few years mm. paradise did go out on on the radio in a slightly modified form but it was very difficult to think how it would work properly on the radio I mean, the, the difference is fairly obvious in that when someone turns on the radio, it can be in the middle of a program, it can be as it's just ending, it can be right at the start. And if they are listening at the start, you've no idea if they're listening at the end. You know, you've, you've got to constantly think, OK, in this minute of radio, what will someone get out of it? Because, you know, you just don't know when they're turning on and when they're turning off. A, a podcast, you know, you'd absolutely know that if someone has gone all the way to the end of that podcast they were there right at the start so you know instantly you can do so much more because you're not constantly having to re-explain things one of the reasons radio if you're not careful can sound a bit patronizing you know a, a little bit kind of spoon feedy and, and also you know over explaining things or not getting really into stuff because you know you it's just a it's just a different format in that in that way so a podcast gives you so much more opportunity to do very deep complex stories and also build that emotion you can take someone with you on the journey because they start it with you and they go through it with you and they end it with you what i say at the end of paradise would be utterly meaningless or probably sound a bit trite to to anyone who hadn't been through all 11 episodes but knowing that they had you know i could afford to <laughs> to kind of just pour it out a bit because you know they were genuine feelings and and hopefully people will uh, will have understood what you know why i had them we're talking about true crime podcast form and and it would be perhaps odd not to mention a series which in i think it's 2014 sort of started the trend in many ways an american series called serial it seems to me that that has inspired lots of projects and and beyond reasonable doubt which you've already mentioned was no doubt partly inspired by serial as well how much did you take from other true crime and and those investigative journalism podcasts you need to listen to all of those you know you need to you need to hear how how this is done the danger of course is that either you try and emulate or you fall into you know some sort of cliches of of you know and and serial because it was you know it wasn't the first but it was essentially the first some of the things that are done in serial now are just they are cliches you know um but they weren't then so you know there's no criticism of serial so please don't you know listen to serial and go right i'll just copy everything that you know you but you do need to to listen to them to get a feel for okay what is it i'm taking from this you know how is this presenter speaking how are they how are they creating emotion what are they saying but what are they leaving unsaid how much are they giving everything spoon-fed to me how much are they allowing me to work out 
how certain are they about things or you know how much are they leaving things to doubt or to you know what's gray what's black and white all these things you know it, you need to absorb all of that to really think about how you would do it yourself but don't just you know listen to podcasts and don't just listen to true crime podcasts uh you know i took as much from listening to sort of lectures about uh, storytelling story structure the, the hero's journey you know real basic stuff like that setting out the promise you know in in a, in a first episode things like that just it's important to understand those things so that you can then think creatively about how you will do them people always used to say to journalism students you know read read the newspaper read the newspaper you know you can probably just you know, read some newspapers, but also listen to, listen to lots of podcasts because it will teach you and inspire you. Um, and hopefully you can then bring, you know, your own style to that. Do you think being a trained journalist, do you think that's important if you're going to, to create a series uh, like Paradise? Or do you think that it's not crucial? It'd be interesting to get your uh, personal yeah, take on this. Yeah, it's, it's not vital, but... It's very useful. The ones that fail, uh, I think, are ones where, you know, someone is just a journalist and they do journalism because it's not really what it's about. It is a much more intimate and human... It's really human storytelling. So you can't just do journalism and expect to create, a, you know, a great podcast. But if you've got journalism, well, that's a really useful string to your bow because... You know where to look. You know how to ask questions. You know how to find things out. Uh, you know what makes a story, what's important, what's not important. Uh, you know, you're used to digging through information to find the, you know, the, the one bit you need and, you know, linking up facts, uh, holding people to account. All of these things are extraordinarily useful, but they, they don't work on their own. Uh, they will help massively in in investigating things uh, and and to a degree in in interviewing. Uh, but if you don't also understand storytelling, uh, human emotion, and just audio, I mean, so important to understand the power of audio and the subtleties of audio uh, and what you can do with it. Um, you know, that's that's a craft uh, that is not necessarily something you would be taught as a journalist no one has everything um, even myself uh, no, no one has everything but the more of those things that you bring and you know as long as the other people you bring in do have them and you work with them uh, then you can you know you can create an, an incredible podcast and, and on that note I mean some of my students they're keen to make their own podcasts now and uh, they want to tell their own stories or the stories of others uh, what one piece of advice might you be able to give them on on successful storytelling and, and podcasting in in their position honesty is the absolute most important ingredient of a of a podcast I would say in that you need to bring yourself and your reactions to you know to the story that you're telling um you need to tell it truthfully and honestly and that means you know if you go down a blind alley or if you think you've found something that's incredible and then it turns out oh no that's that's not so incredible or 
Or if you find something that's not really what you expected to find and it completely changes your story, go with that. You know, that's all part of the journey. Um, but also, you know, be true to yourself, be true to your emotions. If, you know, if, you f- if you're feeling uneasy on discovering something, we'll, we'll convey that. You know, there's, it's, it's, there's no point trying to think, well, how should I be reacting to this, you know, and, and acting um, or scripting it later. You know, well, wouldn't it be great if I'd reacted this way? All right, well, we'll throw that in it. Just go with whatever you know just go with the truth but to a degree to do that you need to really be in touch with with yourself and say you know understand yourself uh is important you know the other thing just go follow a story you know wherever it leads because i think with almost any any story the way generally things are covered now is to barely scratch the surface and if you follow any story and i genuinely mean almost any story you will find a story worth telling because you will find human beings who are complicated who are flawed who are inconsistent are never just good or just bad and that is fascinating in whatever context you put them in so start on that basis that if you found something interesting you just follow it right the way down the rabbit hole because along the way you will find very interesting people, which we all are. You know, if you can tease those stories out of them and tie it to something that actually makes some kind of logical sense, (laughs) so there's a beginning, a middle and an end, and we all learn something along the way, then, you know, you've got a podcast. You're working on a a new podcast project um, at the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, well, I think by the time this comes out, it will be out, so I can can probably tell you more than uh, the most, but... Uh, it's going to be called, or is called, uh, On the Ground, and uh, it is myself and a journalist called Audrey Gillen, who actually made the podcast Tara and George, which is a very different podcast, and again, another example of one where, you know, it's just very rich lives, and it's a very gentle podcast, but uh, very fascinating. Anyway, that's beside this point. Uh, she was embedded with uh, D Squadron. Um, in the Iraq War, which was a unit of the Household Cavalry. And it was the first time she had gone to a war zone to report as an embedded journalist. Uh, Nine days in to the Iraq War, uh, two US planes engaged uh, a British patrol, a British D-Squadron patrol, and uh, killed Lance Corporal of Horse Matty Hull. Uh, It was a soldier. It was uh, it was a big story at the time in 2003. It became, uh, it took a, a turn in 2007 at his inquest because a cockpit tape, which the authorities had always denied existed, surfaced thanks to the Sun newspaper. It became, a, a, you know, a, a big story because of that, but a really unresolved one because the inquest found that the, Matty's death was an unlawful killing. Uh, the official reports into the incident cleared the pilots and there it has stood uh, since 2007 for 13 years not really resolved any further than that so because Audrey was embedded with the guys she's got great access and we've spoken to a lot of them and we've been trying to to dig on some of the official sources of information as well and and we've made some breakthroughs um, and also you know, again, told some very human stories. They're incredible stories of the guys that were on the ground and what happened to them and what's happened to them since. So it's it's called On the Ground and essentially it's an investigation into that friendly fire incident, but it's it's also the journey that those men have had. 
And is that available on BBC Sounds? Yes, you can go to BBC Sounds and that will make uh, my employers very happy if you do, especially if you're under 35. Uh, tell your friends, uh, but you you know, can also find it in other podcast places, but we don't talk about them. <laughs> That's brilliant. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Just one last question. Is there something that you're enjoying listening to or you've listened to recently that you might recommend, uh, perhaps a podcast or, or a radio program? What one thing might you recommend? You no, know I'm going I'm to pull up my library now because there's, so, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, what am I listening to at the moment? I'm listening to Guru. It started off, it seems okay. I'd say okay, that one. Might, might get better. I have conflicted. Those guys are extraordinary. Uh, the level uh, of detail that they go into on the conflicts in the Middle East, but told in a very human way uh, by someone who was a, a double agent for the Taliban, you know, turned MI6 spy, but seems like a really nice guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a journalist who clearly knows his stuff, you know, is excellent. Um, and go on, I'm going to give you one recommendation uh, that you might not have heard of. Let me let me find an obscure one uh, because everyone knows all the big ones. There's no point in me telling you one of those. I'm going to say go and listen to The Queen, which is a Slate podcast. That's, that is a, an example of a story that was done in the news about a person who was a stereotype and actually when you do go deeper always there's so much more to every single story and you'll find interesting tales to tell along the way dan maudsley there raising so many things that i would like to talk about i'll just give a couple of things that jumped out to me firstly for making a compelling true crime series, it obviously helps to have an incredible story, as Dan says, but you need to tell it well. Dan spoke about a number of different devices and techniques regarding storytelling, including telling the story in chronological order when you're documenting a journey, and this really is Dan's story ultimately. You've got to think about the journey you're taking listeners on. For Dan, chronological order made sense as there were twists and turns. That doesn't always work for long-form audio, but it certainly did in this project. Dan advises on the importance of not dwelling on what you don't have, although he does stress it is important to have something which can make for good audio. For me, one of the best bits about Paradise is the way that Dan is able to include various interviews, audio recordings from Chris, the reading of letters from Peter, actuality and audio recorded on location, and loads more to really suck listeners in. He talks about his experience in shorter-form audio journalism and how it helped him create a longer-form project, valuing the power of scripting and what you can do in short amounts of audio, ultimately not just letting things run. That was important for, for Dan, and it really shows when you listen to the whole project, you can tell uh, that every second counts in this podcast series. Dan also suggests, as a tip, that honesty is important in storytelling. Your reactions and hunches should be honest ones. Uh, listeners will respond to that. But it also does mean that you'll have to do your research first, something that Dan clearly did in Paradise. At one point, Dan talked about researching storytelling and talked about basic devices for putting together compelling podcasts. I must confess, 
when he referred to the promise in the first episode, it occurred to me I wasn't entirely sure what he meant, so I had to speak to someone. Luckily, the University of Bedfordshire's senior lecturer in script writing, Toby Norways, hello Toby and thank you, he was able to tell me that the promise of the premise was a phrase coined by Blake Snyder in his screenwriting book Save the Cat, and refers to a story delivering on its premise established in episode one of a series. So there we go. Um, That makes sense, and uh, thank Thank you, Dan, for raising that as a thing for me. And thank you, Toby, for clarifying it. Much appreciated. Finally, I enjoyed hearing Dan talk about why he felt true crime was a podcast phenomenon rather than a radio one. And he made some really good points about how in radio you have listeners joining at different points, so you have to recap or abridge. Podcasting gives opportunities for deep, complex stories and listeners will have engaged from beginning to end. And that's why... Uh, So many audio creators are are turning to podcasting at the moment. Paradise is a great listen, as is Dan's new podcast, On the Ground. Both are available on BBC Sounds now. As ever, I want to talk briefly about something that I've enjoyed listening to recently. Staying on the journalistic theme, I want to tell you how much I've enjoyed listening to Times Radio. It's from Wireless Group, so is curiously a talk station based in the same building as Talk Radio. But it does sound different, almost like the Times newspaper is different read from the Sun newspaper, despite both being based in the same place. I was sceptical before it launched, albeit pleased to see it was recruiting new staff and creating radio jobs. But I think I understand the station more now, having listened to it. There are familiar radio names across the schedule that have led to some radio critics comparing the station to Five Live, BBC station. Uh, there's John Pienaar, Phil Williams, Asma Mir. They're just three former Five Live presenters, given prominent roles on Times Radio. Understandably, the station takes advantage of its access to the Times newspaper correspondence, and it often dwells longer on single stories than you might expect, like a feature in a Times newspaper itself. So that kind of works. If you haven't checked it out already, Times Radio is available on UK DAB and various online formats. If you'd like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with audio you recommend, stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback, or something else, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at A Fantastic Noise. You can also email us on fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk. Before we go, it's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Today, it is actuality. Simply put, This refers to sounds recorded on location. This can be useful for lots of reasons, but when working with students in the first year, I usually ask them to create a story using just actuality they can find in the local environment. So using actuality, I find, can help engage a listener further into your story. If you're making a report somewhere, you don't just record interviews and conversations. Record the sounds of where you are too. I often tell my first-year students a specific anecdote referring train station stories and how it's important to get the sounds of a train station if you're doing a report at this train station. So actuality is our radio word of the week and a word which I hope you look out for in the future. 
That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do subscribe, give us a review and rating, and follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Uh, thanks again to our guest today, Dan Maudsley, who created the award-winning true crime podcast Paradise for the BBC. Thanks again, Dan. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, a Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Aiton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Culture and Communications, and recorded in my home, in my lounge specifically, rather than the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. 